0: What up, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today is the day we have to talk about the Boston Celtics dropping Game 7 at home to the Miami Heat. Ben, let's just start right off with this question. Was this Celtics season a disappointment to you, or are you okay with how things played out?
1: That is a big question to start off with. Um, And I think my answer to that question has changed throughout the playoffs. Um, We haven't made an episode in between the 3-0 lead that Miami got to and where we ended up. So I think the fact that the Celtics brought it to Game 7 calmed me down a lot in terms of my hot takes about what the Celtics needed to do moving forward. Yeah. And to be honest, this definitely is a biased Celtics fan thing to say, but if Jason Tatum doesn't severely roll his ankle in the first possession of the game, like that's a, probably a different outcome. I'm not going to say the heat don't win, but it's probably not a blowout <laughs> to the extent that it was.
0: I tend to agree. Like, I think the heat just based off the way they came into that building, it felt like they were going to win the game. Kind of. Um but if Tatum's ankle isn't decimated 20 seconds into the game, you're right. The result is closer than what it ended up being. Like, it's not a blowout. It's not where the whole Celtics team gives up in the third quarter. Right. It's not that type of competition. And I think, in my eyes, I don't think this Celtics season is a disappointment at all. Um. You know, you go back to our last podcast and we're talking, you know, do you blow it up and all this stuff? Well, they were about to get swept by an eight seed. Like, that's pathetic. They showed heart. They fought back, obviously, in the last game. Things didn't go the way they wanted. But if you go back to what I thought was going to happen in the preseason, I thought the Celtics were going to make the Eastern Conference Finals and lose. And they followed that script. And I think, you know, can you really ask much more from a team where their best player is 25? Um, I don't know. I think it was a good season for them.
1: You know, expectations are what they are. I think the Boston Celtics definitely... Going into the series against the Miami Heat, the thought was definitely if we lose this, the season's a failure. Um, to see the way that Miami fought, I think calmed some people down in that respect. The fact that Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent were able to do what they did through this series is incredible. Um, and I think more people have props for Miami than they did to start the series, obviously. But... It's disappointing. Am I going to say it's a failure? Am I going to am I going right. to say what I was going to say if we got swept, which is that, you know, major changes needed to happen? No. Right. Um if the Celtics run it back next year with the same exact core, they probably still have the best odds of getting to the finals.
0: Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point. I think when they're down 3-0, me and you both expected major changes in the building. I think we're going to see a relatively quiet offseason for the Boston Celtics. I think you're going to see Jalen Brown get his extension. And I think everyone's coming back, honestly, which is, you know, whatever Boston fans feel about that. I think they see that they have a unit and, you know, maybe they think Gallinari is the piece that brings them over the edge. I have no idea, but I do think it's going to be a relatively quiet offseason for this team. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think... I think you made a great point with that. I think this team's kind of what they want to be. It's just the price of it is getting pretty crazy after this season, obviously, with the Jalen Brown extension. But
1: Yeah, and this has been six years now of the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart crew going as far as they can go. Um, And do I, as a Celtics fan, do I want to see no movement in the offseason? No. Um, We've talked privately about how I feel about some of these guys. The fact that there's going to be a future where the Boston Celtics are paying Jalen Brown 60-something million dollars for him to not be an effective enough shot creator, you know, I think he's going to get his money, but that was glaring. The way that Tatum went down and Brown needed to step up, and instead of stepping up, he gets eight turnovers and shoots eight of 23 from the field. Um, We kind of saw the flaws with the two-wing system that we have. And I don't know if that'll lead to major changes, but we're definitely getting close to a breaking point. I
0: would tend to agree. Um, I think it's funny. I hate to bring up the Cavs because this is a Celtics thing, but I think I had the same reaction with Jared Allen that Celtics fan had with Jalen Brown. Like Jared Allen just shit his pants in the playoffs. And I think it's fair to say Jalen Brown had a pretty tough postseason. And the first thing we do is like hop on the trade machine and see what you can get for him. I think with the Celtics, it is the right play to ride it out with Tatum and Brown. I think something that does need to change, and I'm sick and tired of Celtics fans trying to justify it, like they need an actual playmaker. Like Malcolm Brogdon is a score first dude. Marcus Smart, you whatever you think about his assist numbers, whatever. Like that dude wants to shoot the ball. And Derek White is an aggressor as well. Tatum's an aggressor. Brown, that's all he is, an aggressor. I think there needs to be a steadying force of some kind um, and I think that drastically helps this team just because we've seen you know the walk up the court and like kind of the your turn my turn type of thing yeah uh, with this team for ages now and I think if you get a guy who's comfortable giving these guys comfortable shots I think that would really
1: help but I don't know if that guy's out there you know what I mean I mean, you got to look at the Clippers, man. It's the same situation over in the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard was the guy with the ball in his hands for a while there at the start. And then he said, you know what? I need a point guard. Like me and Paul George are great at getting our own buckets. We need someone who can help set up everybody. And I have been really impressed through the regular season watching Marcus Smart set up teammates. But when it comes down to it in the fourth quarter, he wants to take big time shots. Um, And you don't need that. You want a point guard who is comfortable Passing the ball up and letting everybody else on the team get looks.
0: I have a strange suggestion that I just want to hear your opinion on quickly. Is Russell Westbrook a player you would consider on the Boston Celtics considering his tenure for the Clippers? Or has the Lakers stint and just the turnover heavy years and the lack of three-point shooting completely just made him not someone you want to ever have on your team?
1: So it's a fascinating question because I even leaned the younger direction of Russell Westbrook, which is I was pretty calm. I was pretty like hopeful for a while that we could get a Jalen Brown to the Blazers trade package and bring Scoot Henderson to the Celtics. Um, Because this team is so perfectly set up for a guy like that who can just destroy people in the paint, collapse the defense, and then kick out to all of the shooters that exist in Boston. I don't know what Russell Westbrook is for any team. That's not the Clippers truly. I think he has found his home. I think it would be hard to pry him away from that team, but a player like that coming into the Celtics would be awesome.
0: Yeah. I thought he was a really interesting fit because he's an unrestricted free agent. I think his price is drastically dropped just after the Lakers experience, I think you can get him for cheap considering his talent level. Yeah, and I think the whole experiment with Westbrook is just where he is. And I think for the Celtics, it's actually not a bad fit. So it was just something that I was pondering last night. But I think we both agree the Celtics season isn't a failure or a disappointment. Is there any changes you'd like to see during the off season in specific? Or are you OK with everything coming back the same exact way?
1: I mean, I'll be honest in saying this is a bit of a disappointment. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon tearing the tendon in his elbow Mm. was killer. Uh, Jalen Brown, who knows if he was dealing with injuries, but 16% from the three-point line during the conference finals, not good enough. Um, Tatum, I think, got too much slander. He did really stink it up in the fourth quarter of those first two games. But if you're looking for people who are not picking up enough slack, you can't go to Jason Tatum first. I Uh, completely agree. I think the biggest change that needs to happen is the Celtics need to bolster their coaching staff. I think we're pretty certain Joe Mazzulla is probably keeping his job after fighting through that game seven. Um, add some legitimate depth of coaching around him. Give him a full off season to get a good amount of guys around him. And maybe things will be a bit better going into next season.
0: 100%. And I don't know if you saw the headline this morning, Ime Yudoka has coached three Celtics ascent, uh, assistants just this morning. Yeah. So a already kind of weak staff has become weaker. I think the Celtics need to invest serious money and experienced coaches. Like you're saying yourself. I also something that I really want to see next year for the season. We'll, we'll talk about just more playing time for Rob Williams coming up next year. He played 14 minutes in game seven. That's weird, right? Like that's a dude where he, when he's right it feels impossible for other teams to score because of how dynamic he is protecting the rim and how well he can kind of just stay on the perimeter every once in a while. Like, I don't know. I think with Al getting older, I understand the Rob Williams injury stuff, but I think giving him some rope to go like play more than 14 or 15 minutes I don't know. I, I would just like to see more of him and a little bit less of Al so you could preserve Al shooting for the postseason because as we saw, his legs completely died.
1: Yeah, the we... whole team lost his legs in the end of that that game seven. They shot 21% from three and I think they shot 20% in game six. Um, So the legs were absolutely not there. Rob Williams, as far as I'm aware from what I was looking at at Twitter, was very ill during game seven and was taking timeouts and like in between quarters going to throw up. So that might be the reason he didn't get as many minutes, but I absolutely agree. And it sucks that the Celtics are almost guaranteed to lose Grant Williams because I was frustrated. We were frustrated all year with the lack of playtime that Grant was getting. We get into the playoffs and it's obvious he is an impactful piece, but then they just don't give him the run that he deserves. Um, I think it's hard to keep a player when you do stuff like that, but man, I would have wanted him to stick around.
0: Yeah, I selfishly as a Cavs fan, I'm very happy about this because I think he fits perfectly with them. But in terms of if you're looking from a Boston perspective and you see the way Grant impacts the defense and just three-point shooting, it kind of probably leaves you disappointed he didn't play in games one and two very much. And just that, that feeling of, oh, maybe we could have made that adjustment sooner. That's kind of why the Joe Mads thing is such a big headline in Boston. And that's one more change I'd like to see. Is Joe Maz's offense needs to change?
1: Is it even the, his fault? So um, I think there's, a, yes, there's aspects yes. of it that absolutely are, but watching Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown ISO over and over again. Sure. What is the strategy you set up if you're Joe Maz?
0: So that is not his fault. The Because we've seen with Brad Stevens, Ime, and now Joe Maz. Those two players defer to isolations in the fourth quarter when games are close, and it never works. Both of them are horrible isolation scorers when it matters. So that that is not Joe Maz's fault. What's Joe Maz's fault is going nine for forty-two from three. That's Joe not shooting the threes, but it's the it's the system that he instilled. It's the same thing with the Rockets when I the team I compared the Celtics to a few weeks ago when they missed twenty-seven straight threes. Guess what? It's time to try something new. And I do think there's a level of, you know, sticking to the script and either getting to the hole or shooting threes that the Celtics have done that inflated their regular season numbers to a God-like team. And then once the playoffs hit, we saw real inconsistencies with it. And I think if you're Joe Maz, there just needs to be a way to make some more, versatility in the offense not just layups or threes that can't be the recipe moving forward in my opinion
1: I think the Celtics lost two games all season where they shot over 40 percent from three mm-hmm. um, their strategy was live or die by the three I mean I, we kind of knew that all year and the interesting part about it is Jalen Brown's got a great mid-range game um Jason Tatum's mid-range game is strange he takes deep twos he's really good at the deep twos but anything from like 10 to 16 feet I don't really trust Tatum taking that shot I don't know why that is for a scorer who's as good as he is to have such a weird mid-range game
0: yeah I don't really know I I he's one of those weird players where it's his shot release is funky like it he has such a strange pickup but the once the ball comes off his fingers it looks beautiful but to get to that jump shooting motion is a little strange it's a motion that's made for deep shooting it feels like I agree like because there's so much like lever to it Mm -hmm. almost I don't really know how to describe it but I just think that that's an area the Celtics Need to address. And you even as a Celtics fan, like we're worried about the the same thing I'm talking about now heading into the postseason and you thought Malcolm Brogdon was going to be the guy who could, you know, change things. And it turns out he's a three and layup guy because of, I think, the system as well, because I have been a Brogdon fan for a very long time and I know
1: there's more to his game than that. And I'm blaming injury on that more than I'm blaming anything. No, I'm just just talking
0: about, uh, no, I'm just talking about throughout. Yeah, he's hurt, of course. But I'm just talking like the the mid-range shot was something you wanted to see during the Mm postseason. And you thought he was the guy that could do it. But there wasn't other guys. You were like, I'm comfortable with Marcus Smart taking a few mid-range jumpers a game. Even Al Horford. This is a guy that was, you know, viewed as one of the best mid-range shooters in the league for a long time. The heater playing a 3-2 zone... They have Al at the free throw line wide open and he's giving up shots. He's not shooting the ball. He just, his instinct is to kick it out to three. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm talking. That's the, that's the issue to me. I'd like to see a little bit more versatility in the strategy on the offensive side uh, moving forward. That's that's what I'd like to see.
1: And I think that's totally fair. And it's funny because Daryl Morey ball, if that's what we're going to call it, just the chuck up as many threes as you can strategy is a very effective strategy to winning basketball games. The problem comes when you're in game six and game seven and you have no legs behind you and you need to get a little bit closer. Um, if you, if the team added a mid-range guy, if Al Horford started prioritizing the mid-range in moments like that and the defense collapses a little bit, maybe we get slightly more open three-pointers and maybe they start falling a little more. Um, I, I totally agree with you that that's something that needs to change personnel wise, are the Celtics really the team full of mid-range guys? You know, I thought Malcolm Brogdon's great at it. Horford's great at it, but he doesn't do it. Jalen Brown's really the only guy on the team that I'm happy with all the mid-range shots he takes.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. I I just think, I'm not necessarily, it's interesting. Like, I just think they could find different ways to get good shots and Mm. not just three pointers and layups i i guess maybe i don't even know what the strategy is for them to use but i'd like joe mass to figure that out because he's getting paid to do it and i'm not yeah you know what i mean
1: yes um going forward here before we really wrap up the celtics talk i really want to know how far we are away to the end of this window for this unit um i feel like you know going to so many conference finals over the last couple of years, going to the finals last year, this is obviously a proven team that knows how to get deep into the playoffs, but they haven't shown the ability to win it. Um, If we get into the end of next year's playoffs and the Celtics don't make it to the finals, how far are we away from this window closing for good?
0: It's a really good question uh, because I think the window stays open as long as you have those two guys. It's just how long is Jalen Brown going to want to stick around? Yeah. Um, You know, it's one of those things where on Twitter, Boston fans are saying, oh, he's never leaving. Look like he keeps reassuring you in the media. But then somehow every couple months, Jalen Brown wants to go to Atlanta. Jalen Brown wants to go to Houston. Jalen Brown wants out. And Mm -hmm. the Celtics tried trading Jalen Brown and shit like that just keeps reappearing. And it's one of those things where, you know, smoke usually leads to fire. I'm I'm not saying he's being traded this offseason. I think that's definitely not going to happen. Mm hmm. Um, but I, I don't know how many years he's going to feel comfortable sticking with the Celtics if they don't bring home championships. Um, and I, I've been talking to you about this over the last few days over text, like in terms of where teams stack up the next few years, I think the Celtics are sitting pretty. I think the bucks are getting older. Obviously when Giannis is on that team, they're going to be dominant, but their run is super small. I think maybe at best, they have two more years left. Um, you know philly i think is a joke and a fake contender you know the heat are we sure they can do this again i'm not sure of that uh i really think the only team that can kind of really compete with them for like the next four to five years is the Cavs, and it takes a massive evan leap on offense right so like in terms of teams that can really challenge the celtics moving forward You know, maybe you get the magic five years down the line, but they're not close to competing for championships right now. I really think the Celtics are in a great spot. I
1: think you're right, man. And to be honest, like we put so much expectation on these guys. When is the last time a 25-year-old star won the finals for his team, led his team to a championship and won it? It takes a long time. Most of the greats don't win their first chip till they're 28 or 29. Um, So the idea that it's over and that the whole team needs to blow up and that the Celtics can't win with this core, it is a bit overstated. But I do think going into next year, the only team that's going to get in their way is the Celtics. I think they're very good at getting in their own way. And I think, you know, they got a good chance to do it again.
0: I agree completely. And you mentioned 28 and 29. 27 is the age where all the all-time greats won their first title yes yes it's so strange they all did it at the same age I think Giannis was 26 I'm not sure Mm -hmm. but Tatum's 25 that means in two years he's going to be a little bit better than he is right now and he's going to hit his absolute peak right so there's still a little bit left to Tatum to get out of there it feels like Jalen Brown's probably what he is hopefully he learns how to dribble at some point that would make the Celtics a very dis- uh, dif- uh impossible team to stop yeah but in terms of Tatum like he's on an upward trajectory so maybe he just becomes like this absolute force that can just lead teams to the finals because he's so good all around Um, I don't know that's a possibility the roster around him obviously still has to stay in good shape but
1: I think if you're a Celtics fan, you have this idealized version of Tatum of what future Tatum could be, where he just doesn't have the four for 19 games anymore. And he's just the guy that he is when he's on, you know, and he puts up, he averaged 30 a game for this regular season, but there were still games where he was absolutely stinking it up. Um, A future version of Tatum could just have less of those inconsistencies and be an excellent, excellent player. He's already top 50 all time in playoff points. Jason Tatum at 25 years old. I mean, the thing about Jalen Brown is after an eight turnover game where your team needed you to step up and you were unable to do so, if there is nothing else like that has to be the fire that makes you a more competent ball handler. If Jalen Brown's not coming into next season as a better ball handler, he never will. This has to be, you know, how it can't get worse than this. It can't you. His weakness was shown on the biggest stage and it was the reason for the Celtics downfall.
0: Yeah, I think this is kind of just who he is as a player, unfortunately. I don't know if that's handicapping him or putting a ceiling on him, but last year you could have said the same thing, right? Like the Heat and Golden State just picked his pocket every time down the court and nothing changed. It got worse this year, it felt like. Um, So I I don't really see that just kind of magically going away. I'm more bullish on Tatum becoming a super-duper star than I was before this postseason. He is 25, and that's what I'm reminding myself of. I personally. Right now, don't think he's that level of guy. I don't. In two years, could he be? Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm reminding myself. So it's almost weird. I I feel like he's, almost, he's definitely exceeded expectations for any 25-year-old star in the league, right? He's made it to like four Eastern Conference finals, one finals. That's a pretty loaded resume for a guy as young as he is. So I'm a little more bullish on him long term than I was previously. I'm still not a massive Tatum fan as we stand today, but I think there is some real potential for him moving forward where, you know, there's a crop of guys that were controlling the league for a decade that are aging out of the league pretty soon. And Tatum could just be the guy where, you know, he's competing with Jokic and Giannis at some point to kind of be like the fourth, third guy. I don't know. I have no idea.
1: And I think when you see him at his best, when you saw him in game seven against Philly, there are some moments where you're like, yeah, I can see this guy being a top five player in the NBA pretty easily. Um, And being 25, he's got plenty of time to put it all together. Before we move on to the finals, we got to talk about Miami a little bit. Um, You know, they, to go up 3-0, we talked about where they were when they went up 3-0 and how they got there. Three tough losses. Um, But to be able to fight as hard as they did in game seven kind of shows you what this team is. Um, Caleb Martin cannot miss an open three pointer. Gabe Vincent cannot miss an open three pointer. Those guys both shot almost 50% as a unit as combined from three over the seven games. What an incredible showing from guys who have never ever gotten the kind of respect that a player putting up these kind of stats should get.
0: Yeah, this is nuts. This is, absolutely crazy um they are the first team to make the nba finals with a negative point differential since 1959 wow so i mean you do the math that's a really long time yeah <laughs> um, like, this This is some crazy, crazy shit, and it's coming off of the back of Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. We can give Jimmy all the credit in the world, and he won the Larry Bird Trophy for most valuable player in the Eastern Conference Finals. Whatever. He won it by but, one vote. Right. For it to be that close, it yeah. says volumes, right? Caleb Martin just had the best seven-game stretch of his entire life. And I don't honestly see it slowing down. There's such a level of confidence with this unit right now. I I don't see where he just goes cold out of nowhere.
1: I I agree with you, man. And I think Jimmy Butler deserves a lot of credit for who he is as a leader. But he's not really the reason they won that game seven. He got an incredible game one. He won game one for the Heat. But since that game, he kind of just let the game play. Um, Caleb Martin really, really stood out, man, to be able to go from being cut from the Hornets to being put onto the heat, the end of the heat roster to fighting your way up to earning 36 minutes a game for a conference finals is an unbelievable story. Um, and as much as I'm bummed that the Celtics are not going to the finals, I'm not mad about this, man, Jimmy getting to go to the finals, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent doing what they're doing. Um, I probably have to stop calling them role players. Jimmy Butler kind of said the same thing. I don't know. It feels weird. It feels at this point, like it's a little bit disrespect to call a yeah. guy putting up the points that Caleb Martin's putting up on the efficiency. He's doing it just yeah. like a bum who got cut from the Hornets.
0: Yeah. He put up 19 points on 60, 40, 85 in the Eastern conference finals. That is the most efficient performance probably so far of the playoffs, like yeah. over a, a whole series. Um, he's he's just really leveled up and he's a great defender too and i totally get what jimmy's saying like these guys aren't role players they're just good basketball players and he's right like at some point they start doing stuff that regular role guys don't do um caleb martin's hitting turn away fadeaways over al horford with like four seconds left on the shot clock shit like that like normal role guys aren't doing that i think the heat have really created an awesome culture um to kind of like grow these dudes like that um Really quick before we do go to finals talk and heat stuff, just before we are based in Boston, so I have to just get your take on this before we move on. What's your outlook for the Celtics next season? Do you think we kind of see a similar type of season, a lot of success in the regular season, make it to like the Eastern Conference finals again? Do you think it's a finals year? Do you have to see more from the offseason to make that call? What are your thoughts right now?
1: Right now, I feel like there's two paths that we could go down. One path is that Joe Missoula finds the right set of coaches around him to help fix some of his issues, and the Celtics look unbeatable to start next year with all of the momentum that they have. Now they have finally a full-off season together. The other option is Joe is not able to get the coaches around him that he wants, and the Celtics still underperform. We remember all last season, or all this regular season, we were waiting for them after that first month to continue to be the dominant team shooting the shit out of the ball. And they just never really got back to that. Um, so we could see a world where the Celtics kind of disappoint. And then we're left thinking, why did you make no moves in the off season? Um, I think it's more likely that the Celtics are going to be a top two seed and look great, but I don't, I have no idea what the playoffs look like.
0: Yeah. I kind of, yeah. The playoffs are impossible to predict at this point. Right. But in terms of regular season, I'm right there with you. Um, I think they will probably be a top two seed. I kind of lean on them actually taking the West, uh, taking the East as the number one seed. Like I think they will be the number one seed in the regular season next year. So yeah, I think for Celtics fans, I know it sucks because you're on the brink of history, right? No team in the NBA had ever done it, but at the end of the day, you have a really strong future ahead of you. So chins up. Let's talk some finals.
1: Let's get into it. Nuggets heat. This is the thing that every casual fan on Twitter has been complaining about for weeks up until it happened saying it's going to be one of the most boring finals ever. You're wrong. This is about to be two phenomenal basketball teams, two units who play perfectly together going up against each other. I think this is going to be a pretty good routing for the nuggets. Um, I think that they're, they're the better team and they've proved that. And I think now that the heat don't have that sweep, over the Celtics, the fact that it was a seven-game series brought some people down to earth. How do you feel about how this series is about to go?
0: I have the Nuggets in six. Um, I think the Heat are meeting probably a guy who's going to go down in history as one of the most gifted offensive players to ever play if he's already not in that conversation. And he's at his peak. He's at the top of his powers as we speak. And his co-star in Jamal Murray is at the peak of his powers. And Michael Porter Jr. has never played better in his entire life. Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, those two role players are perfect fits next to those dudes. KCP is unbelievable. It kind of just feels like there's too much on the Nuggets side. There's chemistry, there's talent, there's an all-time great. That recipe equals the title. And I love the Miami story, and I think it's awesome. And I'm still excited to see how they try to attack Jokic because I think if any coach could figure it out, it's Spo. But at the end of the day, it's going to be Jokic just absolutely giving the business to the Heat. And I'm excited to watch it because it's the making of an all-time great. I This is a step in history for him to really cement himself as one of the best ever.
1: Yeah, we're going to look back on this stretch. If Jokic wins his first ever finals MVP with the accolades he's building, we're going to look back on this and just marvel at what Jokic has been doing. Um, I think Bam Adebayo is not the kind of guy who can do a thing against Jokic. Bam's a strong guy, but he's 6'9". Jokic has the turnaround, the hooks, any sort of little flip that he can put over Bam, he's going to have those all game. I think the Heat are going to try to do a thing similar to what the Lakers did, where they put a big wing on Jokic around the perimeter to try to leave Bam in the paint, and that probably leaves Jimmy Butler guarding Jokic around the perimeter. Um, I don't know if that'll do a thing, but just watching the the chess match of how can you do anything at all to slow down Jokic, I'm really excited for that. I agree.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned on the last podcast, like, the idea that the Miami Heat are going to try to play zone against this team is hilarious. Like, (laughs) you're facing probably one of the top five smartest basketballs to ever play, and you know, he looks somewhere and the ball goes exactly where he's looking. It's on target, it's on time every single time. There's never a disparity in that. So to have a team think, like, we're just going to stand in spots and not guard a man, Jokic will absolutely ruin them. And then we see what he does against one-on-one coverage. Like, if they don't double him, he's just going to toast them for 30 points a game on 60% shooting. So I think he, and this is why I'm totally cool with him being in the best player alive conversation like the the problem he presents a defense it's unanswerable we haven't seen a a coach or a player answer it and I think honestly Miami is ill-equipped to be the first team to answer it with their personnel I think their coach is a genius but their personnel I think leaves a a little bit to be desired honestly
1: they don't have the kind of bodies to stop the Nuggets the way they play offense Um, If you double Jokic, he will wait until the perfect moment to hit an open teammate. Every time anybody, just watching the Lakers series was beautiful. Anytime any defender is a step slow, Jokic hits his player right in stride, right going to the basket. So far through these playoffs, Jokic is averaging 30 points, 13 boards, and 10 assists a game on 62% true shooting. We are watching an all-time great, having an all-time great playoff run. Um, And we're watching him go up against Jimmy Butler, who has silenced every single hater in the universe with what he's been able to do. I don't know what he does offensively. Jimmy Butler's cooled down since the first round, and we gave him so much credit and it was well-deserved, but he hasn't been a guy averaging 30 since the first round. Um, What kind of scoring output do you expect from Jimmy Butler?
0: I think a similar one to the Celtics series. I think games one and two of the Celtics series, he looked like the most unstoppable scorer in the series. Like he took both of those games in Boston and there was no matchup that the Celtics could find that led to him being stopped. Well, as the series went along, Grant Williams kind of found his feet. Al Horford being switched on to him helped a little bit. Jason Tatum guarding Butler helped a bit. So they kind of figured out a recipe with Denver I think he actually has probably a better matchup. I, I love Aaron Gordon. I think he's great. I think Jimmy's actually quick, quicker than the guys Aaron usually defends. I think he'll do okay there. And I think if KCP gets a try, Jimmy's just too strong. I think Jimmy's going to have a good series. I don't think he's going to be Bucks, Jimmy. Like, I don't think he's going to average 34 points a game. I don't. I think he'll be very similar to the Celtics series where we see a few pop games and then we see, see a few games where he's kind of
1: quiet. I really, I don't, we talked about it in one of the earlier podcast episodes. I don't know why it took so long for Tatum to guard Jimmy, but I was pretty happy with that defense that I saw from him. Um, I said to you previously that Aaron Gordon might be the best one-on-one defender for Jimmy that the Heat have faced going into these playoffs. And I think I might take Tatum over him um, because of his length and quickness. But Aaron Gordon, any shot in the mid-range, as long as he can stay in front of Jimmy, I think he's going to make those shots really difficult. Jimmy will be able to get by him on some possessions. And the thing that we've talked about, the second you get by a defender for Denver and you just jump, you're going to score over Jokic. Yeah. So it's going to, Jimmy's going to have to live around the paint. Bam is going to have his troubles for him trying to get to his mid-range shot. We saw what that looked like against the Celtics. Yeah. Um, it's really going to come down to can Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent continue to shoot sixty percent from the field, yeah. Um, and I would bet on no. But I, I, honestly, at this point, I'd be wrong, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you.
0: It's in Duncan Robinson and Max Struess. Like those four guys, can they continue being elite role players? Because they weren't during the regular season, but they have been exceptional during the postseason. If they can keep that up, this series will go seven. Just because. Yeah, if they can keep what up what keep up what they're doing now, if Caleb Martin's doing nineteen points a game on elite efficiency, this is gonna be harder for the Nuggets to put away than I thought. But I, I see some regression to the mean coming, or I just see an outlandish Jokic and Murray combination happening in this. I don't see Murray shrinking in this moment. I definitely don't see Jokic shrinking in this moment. Um, and that's that's just the easier thing to bet on.
1: I think that's absolutely true. And Jimmy Butler is awesome, but he definitely shrunk a little bit in that Celtics series. Um, They went to seven and game seven could have gone any way in the world, but he had plenty of opportunities to beat the Celtics before that. He didn't. Um, I do trust Jokic more than I trust Jimmy Butler when it comes to who's going to be the best player in this series. Um, I think that's pretty easy. Jamal Murray is going to be a question mark. He is so hot and cold, but to play the way he did against the Lakers, I think is perfect. You know, he's building momentum at the right time it will come down to those guys, both scoring 30 a piece. And you know, how much can Aaron Gordon chip in for his 14 points? Can Michael Porter jr. Chip in for 14 points? Um, I'm so excited to watch this, but I really don't see a way that Miami wins. Like even yeah. if all of the auxiliary players for Miami are shooting out of their minds, I still feel like Denver's got the best chance to win every game.
0: Yeah. Uh, Miami when they're shooting out, they have the highest three-point percentage in the playoffs, even above Denver. So they they can match scoring one for one. How crazy is that? Just as a yeah, man? it's just insane. Um, but I'm kind of with you, and I I know I brought it up with the Celtics Heat series where ESPN put up the graphic where the you know the Celtics had a 97 percent chance to win the series didn't happen. The Heat were given an 11 percent chance to win this series. I think that's too high, personally. I think Jokic, this, and this is my theory. Like, I've been sticking to this since we started this podcast. I think the best player in the, in the series, you always give them a massive advantage. And I think not only do they have the best player, maybe in the league, but definitely in the series, they also have, like, the best combination of role players alive. They fit his style to a team. I just, I just don't see how the Heat can outdo that team creation and stardom.
1: Now, these are two phenomenal coaches. Um, I can't think of a coach that the Heat have faced that's to the level of Mike Malone. Um, I really love the way that he sets up their offense. And I think it is going to be a beautifully coached series from both sides. I don't see how the Heat stick up to the offense. I don't see how the Heat keep up with the offense of the Nuggets. Because that's kind of what we've seen is even if the Nuggets are letting up 105 points, they're scoring 115. Right. um so if you play a high-paced offense against the nuggets like you're playing into their hand i think it's going to be beautiful beautiful basketball and i'm really happy that jimmy butler made it here but i don't think he's coming close i think this is a five-game series
0: i wouldn't be surprised I, just out of the respect of what the heat have done this postseason i'm giving them six but mm-hmm. Like, I actually don't see a universe where the Heat can win. And I hate saying that, considering they've proven me wrong every single round this (laughs) series, this postseason, right? right? Like, they beat the Bucs. I had the Bucs winning when they were down Mm 3-1. They beat the Knicks. I had the Knicks winning in six. They beat the Celtics. I had the Celtics winning in six. So I'm doing it again. I hate doing it because I want to show them respect. But my showing them respect is giving them six games in this series because I really do think this Nuggets team is really, really dominant.
1: Yeah, man, I, I'm i too much of a Nuggets fan to not be impartial. Um, I think Jokic is going to average 34, 12, and 10 at least a game. Um, I think he's going to do the exact same thing that he's done to every single other team. Nobody can beat Jokic. This is, we're watching a story of, you, you said it earlier, one of the greatest offensive players of all time, proving himself on the biggest stage. Yeah.
0: And just for a side note for our listeners, a little interesting wrinkle just for me personally. um, After game one, the Celtics losing to the Heat, I threw $70 on the Nuggets to win the championship. I'm going to be a rich man in a few weeks. Uh, So just a little bit of fun for me there on uh, DraftKings. But yeah, I think this regardless, I want to get back to a a topic before we leave, though, because I think we've kind of covered the ins and outs and the results of the series. What I don't want to happen is people to complain about this series. I know we talked a little bit about this on our last podcast because it does in a way feel lopsided just because the nuggets are so great. This is a cool, cool series. I think great basketball is going to be played. Even if it's a sweep. I feel like the games will be close and we get to see the making of a super-duper star, and we get to see Jimmy Butler continue to add to his legacy, whether he wins or loses, because at this point, this guy is a top-10 guy. And I don't think in years priors we ever felt comfortable saying that. After this postseason run, it's undeniable that he is one of the 10 best players in the league currently. So I, I just think that's a really cool thing to see a top-10 guy go up against another top-10 guy, top-2, top-1, whatever. But it's just, it's going to be great basketball. So if you're worried about ratings, stop being a bum. Watch the games. You're going to have a great time. Have a drink. Enjoy it.
1: Yes. Yes. Watch and enjoy basketball. It's going to be a beautiful series. I understand, yes. like, the ratings will be lower than they would have been if the Celtics were in the finals. The ratings would be lower than they would have been if the Lakers were in the finals. I don't give a shit about that. You're yes. going to watch beautiful basketball. And the ratings aren't what matters, man. It's how good the actual goddamn teams are. Sorry. Um, the the Nuggets and the Heat are awesome, awesome basketball teams. They play a very beautiful style of basketball. Like you didn't, I didn't want to watch Jason Tatum ISOs in the fourth quarter when the Celtics are down eight. I didn't want to see that. We're about to watch really, really beautiful basketball. Yeah.
0: We're about to watch ball movement, off ball movement, you know, hard screens, defense, like we're, we're about to get the full picture. So if you love basketball, you're going to have a great time. If you love Twitter basketball, where you like seeing how many people watch Sunday night's game, you're probably going to be a little bit sad. But are you a basketball fan if that's what you're caring about? that's That would kind of be my point. Um, So I would just say, so for like a final note, almost, just enjoy the freaking series. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get to see some really cool basketball. And who knows? Like, we might get some really valuable information out of the series on just how to view the NBA. Who knows?
1: Yeah, man. And uh, just to bring up the Jimmy Butler conversation again, talking about him being a top 10 player, it's undeniable when we get into the playoffs. I want to have that same conversation two months into the regular season. Do we still feel that way? Because recency bias is a bitch and Jimmy Butler is obviously a top 10 player in these playoffs, if not much, much higher. But I, I still don't know how to feel about him putting up 22 points in the regular season.
0: Like for me, I'd rather have Jimmy Butler putting up 22 than Shea Gilgis, Alexander putting up 31 and then putting up seven points in a play in game personally. Yeah. That and so, and that's, you know, that's where we start going. And like, would you
1: rather have Jimmy in the regular season or would you rather have Jimmy than AD?
0: Yes. All right. Right. So yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. That's where we are right now. Um, And I think AD, what he did in the postseason was incredible with his defense, but Jimmy's just kind of reached that level where you can confidently say this guy can be the best player on a team that reaches the finals. We can't say that about Dame. We can't say that about AD. We can't say that about SGA, Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, none of these guys. Yeah. So that's, we have to give him that level of respect. And yeah, the 22 points per game during the regular season will feel weird, but unless someone really takes a jump up, like he deserves that top 10 spot in my opinion
1: being the best player to lead your team to the finals on a team that goes to the finals. That is a label that sticks with you forever. That is a label that puts you in at least, you know, we have this conversation with Tatum. Is he one a, is he one B? That's the conversation that puts you in a little at worst. You're a little bit below the best players in the league. Um, And I think that's fair with Jimmy Butler, man, despite what he does in the regular season. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if you have anything else
1: to say, Ben, you got anything else before we get on out of here? I've got nothing Uh, just to, you know, reiterate what JP said, watch the games, enjoy the basketball. It's going to be very fun. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks everybody. Peace.